So let's turn over things to the good people of North America and hear your voices. It's time to let our leaders know how we feel and let the people speak. Yes, it's time to give the people what they want and fight the power. Gotta give us what we need. So for Fighting the Power today, we're going to turn to a special interview, uh, and I've got Steve Glickman from VoteSizing.com. Steve Glickman, welcome to the Russ Belville Show. Hi, Steve. Welcome to the show. Hey, uh, your website is VoteSizing.com, and I was wondering if you could, this is all about uh, trying to fix our electoral process and trying to set up a way that the the voice of the people won't get uh, usurped by the voices of the corporations that have so much money in play in our electoral process. Give our listeners an idea what vote sizing is all about. Okay, vote sizing uh, is about two things. Uh, the first one is to involve computers in the way we cast our votes. And while still using paper ballots, put barcodes on them and allow the actual sizes of the vote to be adjusted. All right? The size of the vote, meaning like how much the vote counts in the overall tally. Yes. So when, they, when they're added up, some votes will maybe add up to 0.75, and some will add up to 0.5, and some will add up to 1 or 2. There's different formulas you can use. But it's to actually size the vote according to whatever criteria you want. Okay, so what's going to determine uh, whether a vote is a small vote or a big vote? The way I like to do it is inversely to income. Hmm. So whatever your income tax says, the more income you make, the smaller your vote gets. Okay, so like the vote of, say, 10 people living below the poverty line uh, would be worth more than 1,000 billionaires' votes. Something well, that's that's pretty. That, I've looked at a lot of formulas. That's quite extreme. Okay, that's but but somewhere like along that, right? We're talking about you know yeah. one poor person can outvote five rich people. Yeah, it's a weighted vote, so that in, and you know it doesn't really have to play out in the real world much. As in people's heads, they should know that because they need extra extra political power, they're going to get it in some way. Hmm. You know, but in some way, it's a weighted vote. So yeah, if the the poor working and middle class people. Uh, get larger votes. Hmm. I, th- I think it's a very interesting idea. Uh, again, we're talking to uh, Steve Glickman from VoteSizing.org. I think it's an interesting idea, but I wonder, is there going to be some sort of constitutional problem with that uh, in that it might violate the 14th Amendment's protections for equal uh, protection under the law? Well, I'm not, I'm not a constitution expert, but didn't the women not have a vote up until recently and freed slaves? I mean, that thing does get revised over time. So perhaps so that's not a reason. perhaps a constitutional amendment then would be necessary if, if it ran into yeah. any constitutional problems. Yeah, exactly. And you could do it for mayor, by the way. You don't need to do it for president or of the United States. You can do it for any kind of election you want. You could do it for a corporate. A CEO can, can, use, can use vote size to elect who's going to run our corporation. Hmm. I think it's something that's... That would be, that would be, 
it's an interesting idea, Steve. I, I like the idea that we're going to give uh, uh, more power uh, to the less represented out there. I mean, the, the, the rich folks and the corporations, they've got their lobbyists, they got their massive co- campaign contributions and their political action committees that help to elect all these uh, corporate centrist type candidates. Uh, you know, I just, I, I wonder, you know, I'm a real proponent of one man, one vote and the idea that we're all equal. And I, I don't know if I can get my head around the idea that maybe that poor people necessarily are going to make a better choice than rich people are. I mean, we look at a state like, you know, Mississippi or Oklahoma that has you know, huge poverty rates and that yet they continue to elect Republicans. What makes you think that giving poor people a bigger vote is going to lead to better representation for poor people? First of all, the reason why, in my opinion, they're electing these Republicans is because the promises the Republicans make are we're going to get rid of corruption. You see, the poor, working, and middle-class people are the most negatively affected by corruption. They don't have to be smarter in my books. All they have to do is to know about corruption more. And because they're most affected by corruption, I think they're going to do the most to get rid of that corruption. You know, vote sizing is more about getting rid of corruption than anything else. And that's who these people, that's what these people fall for every time, is I'll get rid of corruption, don't worry about it. They're falling for it all over again on both sides. Both, both candidates are saying, I'll get rid of corruption nowadays. And that's what's going to drive people to the, to the voting booth. So I'm trying to tap into that desire to get rid of corruption with the weighted vote. You know, I think it would have to be a two-pronged attack. And again, we're speaking with Steve Glickman from VoteSizing.org. Uh, VoteSizing.com, is that right? Dot com? Dot org. .org. I'm sorry, excuse me, votesizing.org. And we'll have a link to that up on my website, radicalrust.net. But, uh, yeah, I think this is going to have to be a two-pronged attack. If you're going to go for the uh, the bigger vote for the poor, that's going to have to be coupled with more uh, education and more exposure to the corruption. I mean, how are they going to vote against the corruption unless they know where it's happening? Yeah, but look at the situation now where the few elites who are very highly educated and very successful are running things. You know, this desire to educate everybody, we kind of are living in that world where the educated people are running things, and I don't think it's working out. In other words, that guy fishing by the river has a lot of wisdom to offer. The people living in, in these countries that manufacture our goods, yeah, the working middle class and poor class people, they have a lot of wisdom already. To insist that they're not, to think they're not smart enough for some reason is elitist, and vote sizing is all about tapping into existing wisdom. Okay. I'm not going to put them down. I'm going to give your. I'm going to give people in your audience a weighted vote. See what happens. A democratic process is all about learning from mistakes, not not making sure that everybody's pre-qualified. You know, I'd love to see something like this tried out. I always liked the federal, the federalist idea that the states are the laboratories of democracy. And maybe if we could get this to happen at, like you said, a municipal level, maybe voting for a mayor or a city council, and see how this turns out. It's an interesting idea. It's an interesting uh, concept. I'd like to see it tried. Now, I, I did want to... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Imagine a corporation where the janitor and the secretary get weighted votes to counter the investors' votes, right? You could do it in a business. You could do it all over the place. You could do it in a school classroom. So, yeah, you don't need to do it on the world's largest scale either. You can test it out and see what happens. If it is successful... Then you move on to bigger and better. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, yours is one of many uh, different uh, electoral reforms that I've looked up uh, over over the past few months. I've also uh, been following a website called Range Voting where they talk about uh, making it so that you can vote for more than one candidate at a time. And there's another uh, person that's uh, proposing uh, instant runoff voting where you can pick your first favorite and your second favorite. Um, do you think that uh, – how would you compare, say, vote sizing versus these other 
other ideas of giving people uh, more than one vote. Yeah, it's a really simple comparison. Is that It seems to me like everybody, especially people on the left, are striving for equality. Everyone should have an equal say. I'm out there, I'm very different. I say if you have money, you don't need that much of a say. That's why you wanted money in the first place. Money insulates you from government mistakes. If you have a big mansion, you don't have to worry about government as much as a guy who's just squeezing by. So my, the difference between vote sizing and all the other ones, I've looked at tons of them too, is that I'm, not, I'm going for equality with including income in the formulation. In other words, the, the sum total of, of, of their wealth and power should be the same. Okay. But if you try to make everybody politically equal, it ain't going to work. We're trying that now, and it isn't working now. Okay, so that we would balance out, you know, someone who is wealthy already has a lot of political power and influence just through the their political donations, their campaign contributions. So to balance that, we give the poor people that don't have the money to give to the candidates, we just give them a bigger vote. And the wealthy people are insulated from government. They don't need government. They don't care so much about government. They don't even like government. That's why they want that's why they like money so much. In my book is they're not so affected by government mistakes as the poor working and middle class people. Well that's an interesting theory. We're talking again with Steve Glickman from votesizing.org. I encourage everyone to check out the website votesizing.org. Steve, uh, thank you very much for being on the Russ Belville show. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on. All right. Uh, so it's uh, 29 after the hour. When we come back from the break, we'll be taking your calls on 866-5577-377. What do you think about these electoral reforms? You got any ideas? How can we make voting better represent the power of the people? I'm Radical Russ, your red state refugee. We'll be right back. I want to go to the phones. We got a response to our interview with uh, Steve Glickman. I've got uh, Matt in Chicago calling in. Matt, welcome to the Russ Belville Show. Thank you, Russ. I just had a comment about Mr. Glickman's idea. I, I think it is a very creative concept, uh, but I, I believe it's a very uh, slippery slope giving uh, weighted votes to people. Um, I, I think that you know one vote per person and an equal vote is the way that the, the founding fathers wanted it. Uh, and, and I think that's really the way it should be. I, and I'm a working class person. I make $13 an hour. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I just think that my vote should count the same as uh, a billionaire's vote. You know, that's where I lean to, Matt. You know, I got him on the show, and I thought it was a really interesting idea because I'm looking at ways to try to get more power to the people. Uh, and and I, I'm on your side a little bit, this about the one man, one vote. But to go back to the founding fathers, uh, these are the guys that set up the electoral college. And you want to talk about a person's vote not counting. In California, the vote of a Californian is worth 177th the vote of someone from Wyoming based on their electoral college representation. So we already have a form of vote sizing going on, depending on which state you live in. And you're absolutely right about that. But I think the electoral college was was really put in place at a time when there wasn't the internet and there wasn't uh, a widespread media and there wasn't you know uh, a whole lot. There wasn't a whole lot of telephones. Um, so it really was at a time when the common man didn't have a whole lot of information or didn't have a source of information. Uh, about the political candidates. Okay, yeah, uh, and that's I think a good that we point. do have a lot of sources now. That, that is a good point there. And, and you know, also the Electoral College was, was built, you know, as kind of a compromise between the, the populous northern states and the least less populous southern states because, of course, back then in the south, a black person only counted as three-fifths of a man. So I think that had a lot to do with the Electoral College as well. But uh, as far as, you know, reforming our, our voting, uh, other than just vote sizing, uh, what do you think about the idea of range voting? 
Now, range voting is the idea where if you had a candidate list, let's say it's uh, Bill Clinton, Al Gore, uh, Ralph Nader, George Bush, and Ross Perot. Let's say that's your list. With range voting, you can vote for as many people as you want, and you give them a score, like from one to five. What do you think of an idea like that? Well, I, I also think it's an interesting concept, but I also, I'm of the opinion that you need to make a choice. Um, I, I don't think that it's, yeah, I don't know, that's, that's a really, that's a really tough one. But I, I really just want to, I think we should stick with it, make a decision, you know. Pick a candidate, and that's your man. All right. Well, thank you, Matt. I appreciate your call. Thanks for calling in from Chicago. Hello. Hello, David. You're on the air. David, you're on the air. And, Hi. How and, are you? And turn down your radio just a bit, if you would, please. Okay. It's off. I wanted to make a comment on the, your idea of range voting. Okay. Um, and specifically for the primaries, I think it is, it is really silly that you only pick one person. When um, you have people like Dennis Kucinich, who everyone loves his ideas, but you just feel he's not electable. Now, if you have every candidate on the primary list and you pick each one that you feel is acceptable, that I, I believe that is the fairest way to handle this. I mean, think of a dinner selection where you have three people who want to sit down. One person wants veal, you know, the horror. Another person wants chicken and someone wants fish. Most likely, everyone would be happy with chicken. So when you get that general acceptability, I think it's the fairest way to do it, and everyone gets the vote. All right. Well, thank you, David. What do you think? I think you're right. I think I think that's right, David. I appreciate your comments here. Yeah. With range voting, what they found here, and they've done mathematical modeling on this, they find that the candidate most preferred by the most people is picked most of the time when you use range voting. When we have our situation, which is plurality voting, where you pick, you know, the, the person with the most votes wins, you often end up with a candidate that the least people wanted. Now that, we go back to 1992 with the election of Bill Clinton. The people that voted for George Bush did not want Bill Clinton. And the people that voted for Ross Perot did not want v- Bill Clinton. So a majority did not want Bill Clinton, but since he had the plurality, he won the election. I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. However, if our elections and our democracy is supposed to represent what most of the people want, and we can mathematically prove that this method gives the, the people the, the, the most palatable uh, uh, candidate, then I think we should go for it. Now, let me go back to the lines again. Roger in Lafayette, Indiana, uh, another comment about the vote sizing. Roger, welcome to the Russ Belvale Show. How are you doing? Great show, Russ. Uh, I just have something to say. The uh, vote sizing, they want the uh, poor to have more weight on their vote than the rich. Well, we already outnumber ten, number them 10 million to one. I think more important is getting the people out to vote. Yeah, I agree, I agree with that, too. That was another thing I thought about with vote sizing is that, you know, we already outnumber them. I mean, we've got uh, 400 billionaires in America who own the same amount of wealth as 56 million American families. Now, uh, certainly 56 million voters should outnumber 400 voters, shouldn't they? Well, anyway, I guess you dropped off the line, but thank you, Roger, for that comment. I appreciate that. You still there? Yep, yep, you bet. Okay. I didn't know if you had anything else to say. (laughs) I'll tell you.
Okay. Right. Thanks, Roger. Appreciate that there. Yeah, it's, you know, these are, these are very interesting, you know, ideas. And it just shows to me that the American people want their voices heard. And a lot of the reason we don't get the large turnouts that some of the European democracies get is because people believe their vote doesn't matter. You know, uh, my caller, uh, David, talked about Dennis Kucinich and how, you know, there's a lot of people that would like to vote for Kucinich, but they're afraid if they do, they're throwing their vote away. And the vote sizing, or I'm sorry, the vote uh, range voting uh, eliminates that situation. If you liked Dennis Kucinich, you could vote for him. And then if you thought if he wasn't going to win, who's your second choice? You could vote for Obama or Clinton or, or Edwards or whoever else you pick as a second choice and not feel like you're throwing your vote away. I think it's long past time that we do some of these. I mean, number one thing would be to get rid of the Electoral College. But number two, do something about our voting system that more accurately reflects the will of the people.